0: name of the Lord Jesus. Praise God. It's good to see everyone in church this morning. Uh, it's a great time to be alive and well. Uh, January, I mean, January um, is rolling by gradually, and before we know it, it will be true with January, and that's how the year rolls, and um, we keep leaning on, on God's grace and God's mercy and His, His favor over us to push us in the right direction. You know, in life, the most critical thing is uh, for you to sell your, I mean, set your sail in the right direction. Uh, the wind will always blow. It's just like if, if you're a sailor and you're on the sea, you don't have any control over the wind, but you can control your sail and which angle you put it, because that's what determines where the wind will blow you. Are you still with me today? Yeah. You set your sail in the right direction and you're on the sea, the tide and everything, the wind, will just carry you in the right direction. And so there's um, economic wind and... Um, you know, all kinds of wind. Uh, but when we come to church, it's an opportunity for us to set our sail, you know, and watch where we are and see whether this wind will carry us in the right direction. Is somebody still with me today, tap your neighbor for me, set your sail for success. Set your sail for the right direction. Yeah, the Bible says, when men say there's casting down we will say there's a lifting up. Yeah, it's a lifting up because we're setting our sail. So that the wind will carry us in the right direction, and it's when your mind is set on, you know, God's promises, God's mercy, and you know that your case is different because you're a child of God, you have a covenant with God, so you're not easily agitated by the things going out, you know, there. You know that your sail is, you know, is properly set for the wind to carry you in the direction of destiny. That will be somebody's testimony here, in the precious name of Jesus. By the way, the Holy Spirit is bringing to my mind a word that I gave in the first service and um, uh, I I presume it's something that maybe there's someone here this morning that also need to get this word into your heart. Uh, um, God said to trust him. Yeah, to trust him. God said to trust him. I, I don't know the situation. I don't have a full opening into the situation but To trust him, especially somebody who is dealing with situations that will make you not to want to trust. Either trust a partner or trust... uh, Stop looking at trusting those people. Trust God or trust them through God. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. Trust. just, Just trust God. Just trust God. If there's something you struggled with, you know, all through last year... Uh, you didn't even know that that thing uh, will still be the way it is, right? I mean, talking about a marriage, for instance, you thought 2015 would be, bring everything to an end. But you're asking yourself, I don't even know how we escaped into 2016. So maybe this 2016 would now be the, you know, the climax. And God said, trust me. Trust me. Trust me. Trust me. Trust me. When you can't find anyone to trust, trust me. Somebody here, you, you set your sail uh, for, for career success by trusting God in your career and not looking at who likes you and who doesn't in your office. Because when you then decide that I'm going to trust God, notwithstanding anything that I'm hearing, you know, all the rumors, all the this person is against you, this person said something about you. Because that's what engenders, you know, negative emotion. Somebody says something about you. You didn't hear them say it, but you're already hating them in your heart. Yeah. And wishing them dead. Though you're a believer. Where you find some justification for it. Just saying, because he hates me. Why should he hate me? And you always place caution in your heart. No, don't go into that arena. It's dangerous. It's dangerous. You can't play there. Trust God. Tap your neighbor for me and... Tell your neighbor for me, trust God. Yeah, very important, very important. If you have been, not been in church for a while, or you're new at the Elevation Church, I want to welcome you uh, back, or welcome you very specially. We're going to welcome you better at the end of the service. Uh, but I want you to know that we are currently on a teaching series. Uh, as a church, we teach uh, the Word of God, uh, bring people into the depth of the Word, uh, and we do that uh, very often in series, uh, uh, looking at a particular, a particular area of the Word of God, and spending time with it. Uh, Anchor scripture for for this season and for the entire year is Ephesians chapter 3 and verse number 20. The Bible says that God, uh, now unto him, who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ever ask, imagine, or think. reading from, I mean, reciting from the NIV translation. God, who is more than enough, immeasurably more. And that's how he wants to Uh, project himself to us this season. And uh, because the Bible says he's able to do more than what we can ask or imagine, um, I'm running a series this January uh, that I've tagged Imagine, Imagine, Imagine. We have been teaching on how to walk with God, allowing him to breathe upon our imagination. Uh, We have our Imagine boards outside that you should participate in writing after the service. Just pick Pick a marker and write something, and you're going to get more to write as you listen to me this morning. Praise God. <laughs> I said, praise God. And um, on Wednesday, I started, you know, talking about what I titled, uh, What's on Your Mind, still within the Imagine series, and I'm just going to push it a little further uh, today in this service. What's on your mind, and this is like part two of What's on Your Mind. I read from 2 Corinthians chapter 10, I read, I read verse 3, 4, and, 4 5, and 6. Of 2 Corinthians chapter ten, um, it will be displayed uh, uh, on, on the screen. If you can join me in your Bibles, that will be great. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter ten, and from verse number three: For though we walk in the flesh, we do not walk according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God. For the pulling down, for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And being ready, somebody say, ready. ready. Being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. The Lord bless the reading of His word. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal or not physical. In life and in Christ. We have been programmed for victory, but we need to recognize that uh, before there will be victory, we need to recognize the fact that we are fighting battles, battles, and the greatest battlefield in life is the mind, is the mind, and the Bible says here that the real battle is the battle of the intangibles, because our real weapon of warfare, they're not physical weapons. And if our weapons are not physical, that means they're intangible. And the realm of the intangible is the realm of the mind, and that's the realm of God. And in our mind, we speak mainly of thoughts and imaginations. So the Bible says here that the real way that we wage warfare is when we are able to deal with thoughts. We're able to deal with imaginations that will not take us to the place that God has ordained for us. So I started on this trail of thought on Wednesday and uh, we got into it a bit, and I want to just get into it, it a little more this morning. I want to quickly discuss six critical things to know about your imagination, about imagination generally. And I will then uh, we'll, we'll put it up all together by giving some instructions on how we should engage our imagination better in 2016. Six critical things to know about uh, your imagination. One is that you are most like God when you use your imagination positively. You are most like God when you use your imagination positively. And somebody may be asking me, Pastor, why, why are you so sure? Why are you saying it so emphatically? I'm saying this so emphatically because I want somebody here this morning to understand that God gave us this gift of imagination because he wants us to, you know, be like Him In Genesis chapter one, verse number 26, the Bible says uh, God, God speaking, He said, "Let us make man in our image and after our likeness." Uh, one, one way that we have been created in the likeness of God is that we share in God's ability to create." I don't know if you get what I'm saying. Yeah. We share in that same ability to create. In fact, in Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 1, when God introduced himself to us for the first time and the first statement, like I said in the first service, when you buy somebody who never owned a Bible, a Bible, and you give them a Bible, and they attempt to say, look, what's this all about? What? what, what? Bible is about God? And then they open to the book of Genesis. The first verse of the book of Genesis reads like this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So God introduced himself, first and foremost, in the Bible, as the creator. Now, there are many attributes of God, fantastic attributes that we need to imbibe. But he, he, I wonder why God made this the first that we will talk about. Because the Bible could have started by saying, in the beginning, God smiled or God laughed. So we know that God wants us to be laughing. Or in the beginning, God was holy. God is holy, you know, so that we know that this attribute of God, which is holiness, which is, you know, an attribute of God that he wants us to embrace, is a first that he introduced. But God turned all of that around in his, in his wisdom and He introduced himself, first and foremost, as a creative God. As a creative God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So he introduced himself to man as a creative God. And in in verse 26 of the same chapter, when it then started to say, let us make man in our image and after our likeness, then you should take a cue from that and understand that this issue of creation or creativity is important to God. He introduced himself that way and he said, I've created you in my likeness. So we we have the same ability or capacity because we're created in his likeness. In his likeness. So you are most like God, when you use your imagination positively. You're most like God when you use your imagination positively. Yeah. Because except we start to use our imagination positively, we cannot be creative. We can't create. We can't create. Everything created started with imagination, including our world. Yeah. God taught about the world, and then he created the world. Somebody thought about, you know, uh, I don't know, the car you drive, and then they created the, that shape, that brand, that model. Yeah. Somebody thought about, you know, the house you lived in right now. Maybe you yourself, if it's your house. And then you described it to an architect. It was, first of all, an image on your mind. You had an idea of what the house should look like. How many rooms the house should have. You know, what should be the space. Should it be roomy? And then you, you gave that to an architect. They interpreted your imagination. And then you said, that's it. That's it. That, that's, that's what I want. You know, i love it to be like this. Everything starts from our imagination. So we, we're more like God when we choose to be creative, when we choose to engage our imagination. The best time to create the future is now. The best time to create the future is now. I'm still emphasizing the same thing, that we're more like God when... Because God, God lives... God doesn't live in past, present, or future. It's just one. Yeah. One. There's no... There's no future with God, that's why He calls the things are being not as though they were. Yeah. Because they are not, but in His realm, they are already in existence. Yeah. They're already in existence. And when we step into that realm, which is called like the fourth dimension, we live in a three dimensional world. But when you step into the fourth dimension, you begin to operate in the realm of God. You deal in intangible resource. And some of the most valuable intangible resources that in existence today are thoughts. And imaginations because thoughts are things. Yeah. They're things. They're things. If today, like I was, I mean, like I said in the first service, the, the cars that we will drive in 2018, 2019, 2020, some people are already designing them now. It guarantees that they will not be poor that time. Especially if their designs are chosen. I hope you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. Some people are already thinking of the clothes that we'll be wearing then, the trend. The trend that may evolve in three years' time. Yeah. And they're designing and coming up with ideas and images on their mind on the kind of clothing that will be okay for that time. I remember on Wednesday I was describing uh, um, that when I was growing up, my mom, the kind of jeans that they used to wear those times. I don't even know how that came to my mind on Wednesday. You know, you know old mama jeans, the waist is here. You know the kind of jeans that they wear now? You know where the waist is? An enemy has done that. <laughs> God will give you understanding. It was just a fashion trend, but it's just that the trend was trending towards nudity. Yeah. You have some, some, you know, some trousers at home. You know when you buy all these red... Uh, ready-made trousers, <laughs> some of them, even for guys now, you struggle to get them because they are here. They want all of us to sag by force. <laughs> yeah, it's, that's the agenda, really. Yeah, But the truth is that today, for the yo- especially for the younger people, it's, it's, it's trendy. Some people sat down a few years ago. You see, this waistline, or whatever they call it, coming down, was an agenda. It started like six, five, six years ago. Yeah, before then, in the, in the mid-90s, there was nothing like that. Our genes were the same genes as passed down from the other generation. <laughs> but now it has changed. I'm just saying that people sit down and envisage trends and create things. And those of us in church must not be left out, especially in engaging our minds positively, knowing that God said, I'm able to do immeasurably more than you can think or ask or you can imagine, then we should take advantage of that and get into what it has in mind, you know, for, for the years ahead. So the best time to create a future is now, is now, is now. And there cannot be creativity without imagination. They work hand in hand. You can't be creative by excusing your mind. No. No. There can't be creativity without imagination. They work and in hand. Somebody needs to reimagine something before creativity can set in. Are you still with me this morning? Secondly, every gift of God can be abused, even our imagination. Every gift of God can be abused, even our imagination. And I'm going to talk about how we abuse our imagination when I start to round off. Every gift of God can be abused, even our imagination. Number three, your imagination shapes. Your life. Your imagination shapes your life. Your imagination shapes your life. One of the things that I've you know, taken time to meditate on was asking God questions. How come you cannot excuse me from what I think? Proverbs 23, verse number 7, the Bible says, as he thinks in his heart, so is he. So is he. As he thinks in his heart, so is he. God said, I cannot excuse you from what you think or what you imagine. That's why Proverbs uh, chapter 4, verse number 23, the Bible says that, um, guard your heart with all diligence. For out of it are the issues of life. Yeah. One translation says, guard your heart carefully because it controls everything that you do. Yeah. It controls everything that you do. Everything that you do. It Controls everything that you do. That's in Proverbs 23. Uh, Proverbs four and verse 23. I think the, the New Living Translation, the NLT says, be careful how you think. Your thoughts shape your life. Be careful how you think. Your thoughts shape your life. Your thoughts shape your life. God will not excuse me from my imagination or my thoughts. It's important to note that that I cannot be a silly thinker <laughs> or somebody who engages in evil imagination and think that it will matter. It will matter. Definitely, matter. It will matter. It will matter. I was reading a book many years ago, one of the greatest books that I've read that, have, that really changed my life, especially as a young believer, as a young man, as a, you know, as a teenager, a young believer, struggling with lustful thoughts, with evil imagination, with all sorts of funny things. You know, and I finished all those thoughts and I feel like I just basleed. Meanwhile, it's just like, an now I'm just sitting down and thinking nonsense. You see, the reason why many young people, I uh, was reading one, one stats online yesterday, um, and someone also um, uh, was, uh, was saying this online, that, uh, went to, uh, that in recent times, this guy happened to be a public speaker, I said most places where he's going to speak to young people when he asks them to lift up their hand about what they are addicted to, that most young people today are addicted to either pornography or masturbation. And it's an abuse of the mind. Yeah. It's an abuse of the mind. Or the power of imagination. Yeah. Because all those things, um, it's first of all about the devil working your mind out before you go for the real thing. Yeah. Are you still with me today? I read a book called What's on Your Mind by a man called Carotas. Transforming book. I mean, for the first time as a young believer, I realized that I can actually control the thoughts that come to my mind. It was liberating completely. It was liberating. Then I started to meditate on 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 to 5 there. That the weapons of our warfare, they're not kind of, but mighty in God to the pulling down of strongholds. And I am the one to pull it down. Casting down thoughts. Bringing down argument. Argument that talks, I mean, speaks to self-defeating thoughts or internal conversations that are contrary to God's idea of who I should be. And the Bible says we can cast them down. We can cast them down. Yeah. said so you can bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. That means to be obedience of the word of God. So that I can be able to say that I am who God says I am. I can have what God says I can have. I can do what God says I can do. I can be who God says I can be. And I'm not going to allow anything to hold me down to a level where I think less of myself. And I can control the thoughts that come to my mind. You know the way a man of God put it many years ago? He said, when you say you cannot control your thoughts, it's like saying that, you know, he said a bird can fly over your head and you don't have control over that. But for a bird to build a nest on your head, you have control over that one. And that's what most people shy away from. Uh, Because what do you do when a bird, uh, an insect wants to land on your head and and lay eggs there? (laughs) You chase it. If it's not going to agree, you dodge and get flit and flit it. Or better say, you, you go and shave your hair. You just do something. Are you still with me today? Yeah, and that's what some people do. Some, some people need insecticide for their mind. Yeah, and that's what I'm providing this morning. And that insecticide is the word of God. Yeah, you spray your mind with the word so that nothing, no silly thing will just be hanging around that will cause you to freak out and worry and, you know, literally break you down and lure you into negative habits that will not move your life forward. That will not be your portion in Jesus' name. Or say a better amen, somebody. Amen. Your imagination shapes your life. Your imagination shapes your life. Your imagination shapes your life. Number four, imagination is essential for living by faith. Essential to living by faith. You cannot live by faith outside of engaging your imagination. The Bible says in Hebrews 11 verse 1, Faith! A substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. When we deal in faith, we are dealing in the realm of the intangibles. And it's only imagination that can capture the intangible. Are you see what we today. So you, you, you can't say you are trusting God for something outside of what your mind has been able to capture. Have you realized that even when you are not trusting God, you just, you just desire something. Right? You desire something. Once I, I mean, uh, I desired a car many years ago. It um, was a Honda Accord, you know, car. And the moment I desired it, and I told my friends that if you anybody wants to sell this car, I think I'd saved up like 200,000 naira. Uh, back in the day, that kind of car should be like 250,000. So I was just releasing my faith for 50k. But everywhere I drove in this city, that was the only car I saw on the road. Yeah. You, you know, you're going in traffic. You know that one, the copier Yeah. <laughs> you're going in traffic, and that's the only car. It was as if everybody lived because now, you know, we're riding the car that I wanted. Yeah. And I realized in, in a few weeks, a friend of mine, one of our ministers in the mainland, the mainland center, just called me. Said in my estate, somebody just put for sale on one. Can we go and check it? We checked it. It was the same day. I that day, I told the guy, uh, 200K is ready. He said 220. I said, 20K, we'll raise it before this night is over. Listen, listen I just entered my spirit. <laughs> I'd imagined it so much. Everyone has no choice but to. You, you see, when <laughs> God was speaking to Abraham, like I was saying last Sunday in Genesis 15, and he said, come and see the stars. Count them. And Abraham couldn't count them. He was walking on his imagination. And I was counting. As I was counting, Abraham was seeing the faces of children. God said, That's how many your children will be all over. You won't be able to count. Has it not happened today? Yeah. God was just engaging his imagination. Like I said last Sunday, when God changed his name, he rebranded him. Somebody here, you need to rebrand yourself. You need to rebrand yourself. Yeah. You need to rebrand yourself. Because. Uh, when, you, when you think about yourself, what do you imagine? That's what I'm saying. God forced Abraham to have a new normal, which started from his mind. A new normal. A new normal. Just a, a, a paradigm shift, just a shift. And God was just working on his mind. Today, what, what we see is people working their minds out on the negative. We hear so many negative things, and they program our mind. We see too many negative things, they program our mind, so we think in the other direction. And God wants us to reprogram with his word so we can start to think in a different direction. Praise God. I said praise God. I think on Wednesday I'll probably be speaking around this this reprogramming with the word. Reprogramming with the word. Uh, So I am saying imagination is essential to living by faith, Number five, uh, great lives are built around great dreams. Great lives are built around great dreams. There cannot be a great life without great dreams. Yeah. Because the dreams of today are the realities of tomorrow. Yeah. You can't build a great life without great dreams. Great lives are built around great dreams. And in this church, we we exist to make greatness common. So we must be... Some of the most imaginative people around. If we will make greatness come, up. yeah, that means we must be a bunch of people who can dream, a bunch of people who can imagine, who can engage this gift of God positively. Is somebody still here today? Say amen if you believe that. Amen. Glory to Jesus. Ephesians chapter one and verse number eighteen. Paul was praying a special prayer for the Ephesians church and for all of us said that your eyes of understanding may be enlightened, that you may know the hope of your calling, that you will understand the great dreams that God has for you. Quit dreaming small dreams. Let your eyes of understanding be enlightened, that you will know what is the hope of your calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. That means this: your dream for yourself can never match God's dream for you. So great lives are built around great dreams. Number six, doubt is the enemy of imagination. Doubt. When you start to imagine that your marriage will turn around, when you start to imagine that that business will become a household name, when you start to imagine that your company will be quoted on New York Stock Exchange. When you start to imagine, (laughs) when you start to imagine that someday you will have the opportunity of running a federal ministry, when you start to imagine, if you have a calling into politics, for instance, they're going to be the president of the Senate one day, you know what the devil starts to tell you? Is he your kind of person? Have you forgotten where you're coming from? Is that not what the devil says? And the devil is very silly, really. He thinks that we we can't remember. You know, God gave us the gift of imagination and the gift of memory. Because if, for instance, um, I'm thinking, I mean, it's definitely not in my, not in God's plan, but thinking that... um, I can be president of Nigeria and the devil is reminding me that I'm from a village in your state, I'll tell him, the last president came from Otoki. <laughs> and I think my village is bigger than Otoki. <laughs> Praise God. No, I, as in I'm just, I'm just talking. Because sometimes the devil thinks that we can't even remember some things. Some things have happened and they are reference points to the fact that we should be liberated to, to, to dream more. But yet, sometimes in the midst of worry and all that, you you forget how to deal with negative thoughts and to knock them out. Because sometimes in those mind warfare, it's like, you know, the Bible calls them argument. You are arguing. You have to give the necessary argument. It's like you are in a law court. Yeah. And part of the ways you give those arguments is to remember that this thing has happened before and it can happen again. Is somebody still with me today? I said, are you still with me? Glory to Jesus. The doubt is the enemy of imagination. In Mark chapter 9, a man approached Jesus and asked him, Master, heal my son. And Jesus said, do you believe that I can do this? And the man said, Lord, I believe. Help my doubt." One translation says, the most popular translation says, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. You don't have to figure out everything before you can feel free to imagine them yeah you don't you don't have to you just need to keep believing because the moment you start to think of how it's going to work out you start cutting yourself you know and telling yourself don't go too far you know don't don't do too much are you still with me today extremely important that we recognize that doubt is the enemy of imagination. You don't have to resolve all your doubt before you receive from God. How many people here, before you fly, you ask them to say, bring the manual of the aircraft. Now, I want to understand how this thing works, because I can't just fly anyhow, you know. They will tell you that when you are ready... (laughs) He said, "This one, it looks like something is wrong. (laughs) It's not fit to fly." (laughs) Praise God. How many people here really understand how the automotive engine works? The one, I mean, the engine in your car. If you are not an automobile mechanic, how many of the things that do you know? Well, after service now, if you brought a car to drive, won't you enter and just drive off? That's how it works. That's how it works. You can't resolve everything before you say, I'm jumping in. If you want to know how the car works from all the you know, systems in a car, how they work before you drive a car, you will wait for a long time. Because even your mechanic does not know everything. That's why they use your car for trial and error. <laughs> Praise God. And that's how we want to operate with God sometimes. We want to be God in our situation. We want to figure out everything before we start to believe. Doubt is the enemy of imagination. If you just allow God to keep engaging your mind and putting those dreams there. When the angel appeared to Mary and said, blessed are you among women. And he said, the spirit of the most high will overshadow you and you will conceive a child. Mary asked the question, how shall these things be? And the angel just said, the spirit will overshadow you. That's all. And he said, let it be unto me, according to your word. I don't have to figure it. I don't have to understand everything. Just let it be to me, according to your word. Yeah. And as he started to envision and imagine it, before you know it, she started to notice changes in her body. Yeah. I mean, can you just imagine the process that Mary went through? Because you just tell yourself, ah, my body is doing it somehow. But just an angel, I've never seen a man, I've never met a man, angel, you know. Am I sure this thing is not fibroid? You know, if it was a modern day Mary. That's what i will be saying now. Even the friends will be saying, You, you, Mary, Mary, S you. That you have never had a boyfriend. What happened to you? And then you say, Ah, Atomy is coming out. <laughs> so, Mary, have you seen a doctor? Because you may need surgery. Because this one is not, because you understand what I'm saying. It's a ba- it was a battle of the mind. But you need to overcome it by knowing that when God has spoken, He has spoken. And there's nothing the devil can do about it. Say amen, somebody. As yeah. so a round off today, we need to recognize that we have two instructions from the Word of God. One is that God expressly told us that there are things we should not imagine. And He also told us about things we should imagine. Now, I want to wrap up with that. The things we should not imagine. God said, do not engage in evil of vain imagination. This is what leads to lust, revenge, jealousy, envy, malice, vainglory, you know, I said I'm going to come and land on the issue of abuse of imagination. Worry is an abuse of our imagination. Because you go into the future and everything you are seeing is wrong outcome, negative outcome. Yeah, negative outcome. That's what leads to worry. That's what leads to worry. So you have a, uh, a, a 30-day ultimatum to pay up something. And you, you went to 30 days and you saw that your account was still empty and your blood pressure started to rise. And we are not in 30 days yet. In the same vein, I can go to 30 days on my mind, and I I can see that I have double that amount in my account. It's empowering when you can imagine that way. And somebody is saying, Pastor, 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 money doesn't come that way. That's why it's not coming to you that way. Yeah. Because it doesn't cost anything to imagine. I, I hope you understand what I'm saying. And I would rather use it positively than use it negatively and freak out myself and destroy my health. Are you still with me right now? Yeah. The same way, it won't cost you anything to imagine negatively. It won't cost you anything to imagine positively. The only thing is that the negative one has repercussion on the immediate. Because you will you have a headache immediately. Yeah. You will break out into a sweat immediately. I start to engage negatively. But when I engage positively, joy comes to my heart. I practice the payment in advance. I hope you understand what I'm saying. So if it's a landlord, as I imagine, I say, hey, Mr. Musa, come, come, take your check. Your wallet is even too much. <laughs> That's how you'll be imagining it. And, you know, it changes everything. So why would I go the other way? And break my heart and give myself a headache and, you know, cause all that harm to my body. And not be able to attract divine assistance. Because you can't walk by faith except you engage your imagination positively. Somebody stay with me today. So God says, don't abuse your imagination. Don't use your imagination negatively. Don't imagine evil. God was so angry in Genesis chapter 6, he wiped out the entire universe, uh, the entire heart where man existed. And when you ask, why did that happen in the days of Noah? Let me read to you, Genesis chapter 6, verse 5 to 8, from the message translation. God saw that human evil was out of control. People thought evil, imagined evil, 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 evil from morning to night. Is it on the screen? Somewhere. Yeah. Please put it up for me. Message translation, Genesis chapter 6 and um, verse number 5. Yeah. So you don't think that I wrote it? I didn't. (laughs) So it said, God saw that human evil was out of control. And how did it get out of control? Because they were just imagining evil. People thought evil. Imagine evil. Evil, evil, evil. From money to night. Said God was sorry that he had made the human race in the first place. It broke his heart. God said, I will get rid of my ruined creation. Make a clean sweep. People, animals, snakes, bugs, and bugs and birds, the walks. I'm sorry I made them. Look at this. Verse 8. But Noah was different. God liked what he saw in Noah. How many Noahs do we have in the service this morning? When God checks out, if he uses his imaginometer to check your imagination. And tries to rate the percentage of evil to good. Where will you stand? Are you going to be a sodomite or a descendant of Noah? Yeah. Because it breaks the heart of God when we use that gift of imagination negatively. We can see it here. It breaks his heart. His heart was so broken, he regretted that he created the human race and wiped all of them out and left only Noah. And you see, but Noah such a, was such a, a gracious person. God looked at him and how he was using his imagination well. He was using his imagination so well enough, God could describe and hack to him and just give him dimensions. What he had not seen before. Give him dimensions and prescriptions. Without a full drawing, Noah produced the hack. Are you see, with me today. And in the days of Noah, read the Bible very well, it had never rained on the hack. No one could imagine the rain. You know some people, God telling them, I will bring rain. You've never seen rain before. He could imagine it. He was telling people, this whole place will be flooded. You guys are going to die. They laughed at him. Why do you think they were laughing at him? It had never rained on the earth before. And somebody said he had one strange God that said he would pour water from heaven from where? And as I said, yeah, God told him to be. I'm sure they were just laughing at him and say, ah, this guy needs help. Help, help. They were telling his wife. "You need to call the doctor for him. He needs help. He needs assistance. In the day and age that we live, God will give people instructions as we engage our imagination. You will know the right hack to build so you stay afloat of economic crisis. Except you can engage your imagination and walk with God. When the flood will come, may you not be without an hack from God. Yeah. Sometimes an hack is just an idea. Sometimes an hack is, is, is comes out of an instruction that God gave. To do something ahead of time. But for unimaginative people, you such things, you, you push them aside. But you know, first and foremost, is it not when your mind is free to take pictures from God that you will find your heart to put Ark there? All the other funny people, have you read about Lot? Lot then was in Sodom. Abraham was outside of Sodom. When God sent the angels to to take care of Lot when he wanted to destroy Sodom. You know what happened there? The men of Sodom. Evil, morning, evening, night. Imagine evil, evil. They saw the angels. They wanted to molest them. This is how bad it is. I mean, how bad it was there for them to want to molest the angels of God. And then Lot said, no, no leave them. I'll give you my virgin daughters. Can you even imagine how depraved even Lot had become? To say, leave them, I'll give you my virgin daughters. Do to them whatever you like. He had stayed too long in Sodom. Even though he was uh, part of Abraham's lineage, that he, his imagination had gone. I mean, that gift has left him. The, the same angels dealt with those people. Why did you tell the angels? If truly you are from God, deal with these people now. You uh-huh. are now begging them. Say, leave them, leave them. I'll give you my virgin daughters. That's depravity. Something from Sodom entered into Lot and turned him to something else. Are you still with me today? Yeah. And we live in a day and age where, you know, we are literally exposed to Sodomy. Internet, social media, everywhere. If you don't guard your heart very well, it breaks your capacity to use your imagination positively. Are you still with me today? Very, very important. Very important. Your mind was not created for evil, but for good. It was created for good and not for evil. And you must see it that way and understand it that way. Lastly, things that we should imagine. Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 8. Philippians 4, verse number 8 and 9. I read from the message translation. Summing it all up. Philippians 4, verse 8 and 9, message translation. Summing it all up, friends, I'll say you do best by filling your mind and meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst. The beautiful. And not the ugly. Things to praise. Not things to curse. Put into practice. What you have learned from me. What you have heard and saw. And realized. Do that. And God who makes everything works together. Will walk you into his most excellent harmonies. you let me tell your neighbor say things you should imagine things that are true noble reputable authentic compelling gracious the best not the worst the beautiful not the ugly things to praise not things to curse glory to Jesus I said, glory to Jesus. So develop your thoughts. Great thoughts are products of asking great questions. Great thoughts are products of asking great questions. The Bible talks about all these things that we should think on. And all the things that we should not think on. And it's a good fight of faith when you can focus on the things you should think on. Can I ask somebody here this morning? Can you reimagine your marriage. Can you reimagine your career? Can you see beauty coming out of ashes? It's a things, things that are beautiful not ugly. Can you see beauty? Can you see something different coming from your home? Can you see something different coming out of that business? Can you see beauty? Can you think about beauty? Can you think about goodness? Can you think about things of great repute? These are the things that God wants us to be able to think on. Glory to Jesus. God wants to fuel somebody's imagination and put grace upon you for the fulfillment of those things. I know many of us have read the story of the great preacher, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. When you engage your imagination positively, there's no end to what God can do with your life. There's no end. The great speech of Dr. Martin Luther, Speaks to the fact that any dream that is in line with the will of God can come to pass. That, I think, is three speech that he gave before the walk. I don't know if you have seen the movie Selma. It was properly you know, put in motion graphics and it was beautiful. I have this, the, the script of that speech here. Uh, This this paragraph, the most popular one, just interests me. I mean, it's like a six-page document, but usually we interact with these simple paragraphs. For instance, this one that says, I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream that one day in Alabama, Because the dreams of today are realities of the future. Today, being in the future, we see that these dreams are gradually coming to pass. Gradually coming to pass. More than we can imagine. Another man that I love his story so much, by the name William Wilberforce, was able to allow God to work on his mind, to imagine that slavery can be abolished. Wilberforce happened to be born into a rich heritage. Went into Cambridge as a young man, teenager. At 21, he got into the parliament. And shortly after, he gave his life to Christ and became an evangelical believer. And before you know it, he started to push I mean, he was served by slaves. He, he, I mean, he was a white man, so it wasn't, like, um, it wasn't like Martin Luther King. But he allowed God to help with his imagination. He could see it. The Bible says, whatever is good, whatever is praiseworthy, think on these things. Great lives are from great dreams. These are people that you know, history, when we read history, we read about them. But all these things started from just imagining something. Wilberforce died on the 29th of July, 1833. The parliament in Great Britain passed abolition of safe trade as an act of, you know, uh, the country. On the 26th of July, 1833, Three days before Weber first died. He literally fought for it all his adult life. One dream that he had. But many people benefited from that. One of the questions you need to ask yourself in your quest to allow God to plant dreams in your heart, and something that you can, I mean, to bring new imaginations into your heart is to ask, wouldn't it be wonderful if I can have this change or that change. Wouldn't it be wonderful if my marriage becomes heaven on earth? Wouldn't it be wonderful if in Nigeria, for instance, we have 90% of our people living above the poverty line, not 70% living below the poverty line? Wouldn't it be wonderful if in Lagos we don't have street kids again because somebody took responsibility for them? Wouldn't it be wonderful if uh, a journey that should take you 30 minutes will not take you three hours in the city of Lagos? Because we're able to figure out how to handle our infrastructural deficit. Would it not be wonderful? And God starts to put dreams in our heart. Before I say the prayer today, I want to share this short video with us. Somebody who engages imagination like that. Um, A pastor from Colorado in the United States, young man who never knew his father, but God used him, engaging his imagination, and using his past to shape his future. Let's watch this.
1: is to go, seeing that statue of Jesus, looking out over the city that I love and the city that, that Jesus loves. And when I'm up there, I pray for my family, I pray for friends, but then I also look at that, that statue of Jesus where he's revealing his heart. And as he does, you know, we oftentimes think of asking Jesus in our heart, but what if he's asking us to enter into his, into things that are close to him, his love and his mercy his grace, but also his heart for orphans. raised by my grandmother, never knew my father, my mom was absent for many years of my life because she didn't make that much money. We were constantly being evicted, and so we're moving from house to house, sometimes every few months. With all the moving around, this church was the one constant in my life. And this is the place that my grandmother made sure I went to since before kindergarten. And this is the place where, when I was nine years old, a Sunday school teacher asked what it meant to have a relationship with Christ, and I didn't have the answer, so she explained it to me. And it was here that she led me to to give my life to Christ, and then brought me out to my grandmother and told her. And then two weeks later, I'm in the second worship service ever, and I'm being baptized. And that was the moment where something happened for me, because because when, when you're being baptized, they say in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And that pastor said, Father, and I didn't know my dad. And so I was one of the dad, and, and um, so I got dad. And then, um, so I asked my grandmother for a Bible, and she gave me a Bible. And, and I, started, I went looking for a small, short book in the Bible, and the first book I found with five chapters was James, and I started reading through that. That means I was nine years old when I first read that verse, Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless, cares for orphans in their distress. I'm not sure exactly when I began to realize that what God was doing in my past was connected with what God was doing in my future. When I was nine years old and got that first Bible and read James chapter 1 verse 27, I didn't know that was connected to the family that God was going to have for my wife and I. Our first child we had biologically. And then we started building our family through adoption. We became certified as foster and adoptive parents. And we got a phone call. You can bring her home. She's less than a day old. And that became our daughter, Kia. Got another phone call. He's 10 months old. You can bring him home. He became our son, Gabriel. Got another phone call. He's three months old. You can bring him home. And that became our son, James. And then next thing I know, we're on a plane to Ethiopia bringing home our daughter and our son, Mehret and Temeskin what became clear to us is that what God was doing with our family is something he was doing in his larger family as well, that he was waking up the bride of Christ in our city and across this nation when it came to the cry of orphans. So I went to our lieutenant governor at the time, Lieutenant Governor Norton, and I remember sitting down with her saying, I've done the math. There are Uh, almost 900 children who are legally free in the foster care system there are 1500 churches in the denver metro area if every church took one child you'd have a waiting list of families but not a waiting list of children and so i made her a promise that day i said you can count on us we will start something that will result in at least 10 percent of these children finding forever families and then i went back to my home congregation i said guess what i promised you're going to do Colorado Community Church has been around 20 years and it's this wonderful, vibrant gathering uh, that is multicultural. This church is about how do you wash the feet of the city? People began to step up, some fostering, some adopting, others providing wraparound support and something happened. Something took off. We launched this organization called Project 127, and we started to see dozens of churches step on board. It has now become this national model inspiring ministries in Seattle and and in DC and in Arizona and New York and Wisconsin. And so Colorado has now become a place where there are families waiting for children, and we are gonna continue to work tirelessly until there's a family waiting for every single child. Just because as I read the scriptures, caring for orphans is as natural as reading our bibles and praying we also reach out to those who are in distress and for me it just causes me to sit back and say only god only god could do these kinds of things it puts me in awe of god allows me to move forward to the front of my seat because i'm wondering what is he doing in my life today and i'm going to need in 10 years i don't know but i can't wait to see
0: you hear me ask your neighbor, what's God doing in your life today? What's God planting into your heart? Is your mind open? Are you available? Father, we thank you. We thank you. I played this today so that somebody here will think beyond yourself. As you start to imagine that things will turn around in your life, you need to ask yourself the question, to what end? So after everything, will I allow God to plant a grander vision in my heart, a bigger dream, something that is bigger than me? Yeah. I wanted to imagine a good home, a good work, a good business, but beyond that, something bigger. Something more than you can imagine right now that God really wants to do through your life. That he really wants to do through your life. Lift your two hands with me today, everyone all over this place. Lift your two hands with me. Jesus, son of the living God, as a church today, we release our hearts to you. We ask that like Noah, find our minds useful for what you want to do in our world today find us useful. Engage our mind in this new year. Help us to see something differently. Help us to see measurably more of the expressions of your grace, of your mercy in our lives and in our world today. Help us to see that when we submit our hearts to you, when we allow you to have a free course on our minds, when you allow, we allow you to engage our imagination, that there's much more that you can do with our lives. Use someone here to change lives and turn lives around and to turn our city around. Use someone here to imagine something big, something great. Give us grace to pursue it. Give us grace not to allow it to die. We thank you for sudden turnarounds As we go into 2016. And this morning I speak to anything that may be dying in your life. I speak life in the name of Jesus. I declare in the name of the Lord Jesus. That my God. Touches the mind of someone here. Who has been in bondage and in addiction. Whatever. Maybe laying hold on your mind or whatever way you may have been abusing the gift of God. I declare this morning that my God sets you free. In the name of the Lord Jesus. I break the hold of that addiction. I command you to go free in the name of Jesus. I release grace over someone here this morning to stay in control of your imagination. I break the hold of worry over your destiny. I speak strength to your body, strength to your mind. Jesus, we ask that you have your way in every life. Engage our minds for your glory. And let your name and your name alone be glorified. We bless you, our Father. Sitting so after to the prayer, can I request that you just bow down your heads one moment. And I'd love to pray for some special people here this morning.